Okay, I'm back again. Hello, good to see you all once again. Uh, as Trish mentioned, today is Palm Sunday, but for us it's Psalm Sunday. <laughs> I've been writing that one for a while. Now, we are in a series called Ready for Anything, where we've been studying through the book of Psalms, and we've been learning different expressions of prayer and praise and just different ways to orient our lives around God. And we're going to continue that today. We're actually going to merge those two ideas, it being Palm Sunday and us being uh, in Psalm Sunday. And so those will, that'll make sense a little bit later on in this message for you guys. But right now, I want to tell you something and have you anticipate something that I'm going to ask you a little bit later on in this message. And maybe we can get some of our, our young people to help us with some good answers for this question. The, the question I want you to think about for the moment is, what is something that seems like a good idea, but then turns out to be a mistake when you actually do it? Have you ever had the experience where you've thought, man, I really got to do this, then it turns out to be no good after all. So we think about that question and be ready with some answers later on. About that, a little bit later on, I'm going to ask you for some of these responses. And online as well, if you're watching from your home, you can write down your answers right now in the chat, and I'll check those a little bit later, and uh, we'll see if we can include some of your responses in this lesson. Um, but as we kick off this lesson that's going to be focused on Psalm 2, if you have your Bibles, by the way, you can flip open to Psalms chapter 2. That's where we're going to be camping out this morning. I want to start by asking you guys how familiar you are with a few phrases. And I think you'll recognize some of these. These are phrases that happen at some kind of public gathering. So when somebody is in a courtroom and they are brought onto the witness stand, we, they typically say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Yes, you guys, I guess, have spent a lot of time in courtrooms and maybe you've witnessed a lot of crimes. I don't know why, but uh, maybe you've seen this on television, but this is a common phrase that we all recognize. Another one is the oath of office for the president of the United States. Uh, depending on how old you are, you might have, you've seen a lot of presidents be sworn in and they say the same thing every time. They say, they have them make this oath, I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That one was easy. And to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Yeah, we've, we've heard that several times. We've studied that. We, we know that. It's familiar to us. Or maybe you've been to a wedding or two in your life. And if they're doing traditional wedding vows, you might hear them say something like, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to have and to, in sickness and in, for better or, until death, do you part? Yes, and, and usually they say, I do, uh, once that has been stated. These are familiar phrases to us. We can recite them. We know them. When we hear them, they remind us of certain things. And the reason I'm starting with this is because the psalm that we're going to look at today is a psalm that would have been familiar to the people of Israel in the same way. This was a psalm that was sung when a new king came into power. And there's several songs like this in the book of Psalms. We call them messianic psalms or royal psalms. And they might have even been used during a king's coronation ceremony. And now I want to talk for a second. Uh, I said messianic psalms. And you might hear the word messianic and think, oh, Messiah. Well, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. We all know that now. But we need to understand that then the word Messiah 
simply meant the king. The word Messiah, the, the Hebrew Meshiach, literally means anointed one. And that's a reference to what would happen when there was a new king. They would take the consecrated oil from a sacred horn. They would pour it over the head of the king. And this symbolized God's choosing this king, God's blessing and anointing over his appointed leader. Um, and so before anyone ever suggested that Jesus was the Messiah or Jesus Christ, which is the Greek translation of the word Messiah, did you know that? Jesus, the word Christ just means Messiah. We're familiar with that, but they didn't know that was coming. But you will see a reference to this in Psalms 2. Not the word Messiah, but you'll see the Lord's anointed one. And I need you to know that is the Messiah. And when people heard that, they would have thought of a new king. So, in our study of the Psalms, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the enthronement Psalms. And those are the Psalms where we identify that God is the king of all creation. And we put God on the throne of our lives. And we honor him for the good things that he has done. And these Psalms are similar. They're sometimes called the royal Psalms because there's a lot of kingly language. But these particular psalms are focused on the earthly king. But it's not just, hey, isn't this earthly king great? This is a commission for the earthly king to behave in a God-honoring way. You are the king, but you need to keep in mind that God is the ultimate king. And you are partnering with God. So, with all of that preamble, I want you to now listen to Psalm 2. We're going to have our sister Betty is going to read it in its entirety. It's about 12 verses long. But... Listen for these words, the the anointed one, uh, God's chosen king. And then think about what this would have meant to the people of Israel when they heard this psalm. And then we're going to start to think too about what this means for us today as followers of Jesus, the king. So, uh, Betty, go ahead and take it away. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us break their chains and throw off the shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's degree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry. And your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Thank you. So remember, Israel kind of had a mixed history when it came to their monarchs. Uh, Having a national king they thought was a really, really good idea. They're like, we want that. And God said, "Eh, you might not be happy with what happens once you get what you're asking for. He even told them, you don't really want a king. Let me be your king. And they said, no, we really want a king. So they ended up with a king. But it's like one of those things where it seems like a good idea at the time, but then it doesn't turn out the way that you expect. Did any, I want to hear from some of our young people. If you thought of something with that question, an experience that you've had that seemed like a good idea at the time, but then turned out to be a mistake. If you've got one, raise your hand and I want to hear, I want to hear from you. All right, young Brittany, let's hear it. 
she said, eating something I know I'm allergic to. Wow, that, that, that definitely would be like, it seems like a good idea at the time. I want to eat this. Everybody else is eating that. That's a great example because that's what Israel was doing. Everybody else is doing it. It looks so good. It's going to be bad news for you. So don't be careful around the coconut, Brittany. Uh, Molly, what do you got? A little bit louder. I'm sorry, you're real far. Taking revenge on my sister. Wow, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> that just shows how much she trusts you guys. Taking revenge on my sister. Yeah, and I think if all of us are honest, we could say the same thing. Like, let's see, this is going to be great. Uh, and then it doesn't turn out well. All right, young John Rogers, what do you got? Ah, okay, so it seems like a good idea to not take your medicine, because maybe I don't need it, but, and then the doc goes, well, you, you do need it. It's, it's not a good idea to not take your medicine. Thank you for sharing that with us. I asked the, the people who are watching online, and I got a reply from one family, uh, and their children said, eating candy, and uh, that, I think we've all experienced that one as well. And they said, and this, was, this is wise, I don't know how, exactly how young this child is, but someone said, playing instead of doing schoolwork. Wow, parents are going like, eh? yeah, listen, this, your peers, this is the kid I want you hanging around with. Um, I, I post this online this week, and I asked the online community, and I got some interesting replies. Lisa's cousin, who has two small children, said, something that seems like a good idea, but then turns out to be a mistake, is taking your kids to a restaurant. <laughs> and I laughed when I heard that, because that's, I've been there. Yeah, this is be great, we'll just go in, and then, uh, not not a good experience. Uh, a friend of mine said, uh, stopping for gas on the way to work. And maybe you've had that experience too. I'm sure that there's a story behind that one. And then one person didn't give any explanation, but they just typed in Taco Bell. And I thought, oh, okay, well, enough said. Taco Bell is a, seems like a good idea, doesn't turn out the way that you wanted. But remember in Israel, the kings, they weren't always good kings. And God warned them about this. And kings, some of them were good and they ruled faithfully, but a lot of them didn't. And I think the kings got sucked into the temptation to make their reign be all about me. Like, I'm going to do things that will benefit me and I'm not going to regard what God wants or what the people need. And Psalms 2 is a scripture that reminds us that the king's role is not to be the king and not to be in charge and to benefit yourself, but it's to partner with God. And you'll read, as you read some of these messianic psalms, you'll discover they're not about any particular king. It's more about the leadership role itself, the, the office of king, and how the ultimate lordship remains with Yahweh and his purposes. A reminder that when you become king, you don't become God, but you partner with God, and you lead in a way that reflects God's will. It even says in Psalm 2, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule. And at the end, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So yes, the king is in power, but it's not a power to be abused or wielded. It's an opportunity to be faithful to God's people. Remember the commission that was given to Israel to use your blessings to be a blessing to all nations. And we can be honest with Israel's history. Even at, with their best king and even at the height of their power, they weren't ruling the world. There were always other empires that were bigger and conquered more and stronger and always threatening to them. And with each king, 
in Israel's history, the people had this promise and this hope of the true king. One day we'll get that king that will be in, put us in power and keep us safe and do what is right and honor God with his reign. And they never, they never really got that. But when they heard this psalm, there was a reminder that this is what they were going for. This is what they were looking ahead toward. So just for a minute now, I want you to think about what hearing this psalm would have been like for Israel at various times in their history. Let's say a new king is coming into power and the previous king was a great king. It would be this reminder that like, yes, let's keep this going. This guy was faithful. He did a lot of things and he got us on track. Let's stay on track. Let's not lose our way. Or maybe when there was a new king and the previous king was rotten, just a terrible king, there was this like, cross your fingers and oh man, we, hopefully things can change. There will be reform. There will be a newness among our people. Or maybe, forget about the king. This isn't even just directed to the king. Let's say you're the people, maybe the, good, maybe the previous king was good, maybe the king was not. But this could be a reminder to the people who are hearing this at a coronation ceremony that regardless of what our leaders are doing, regardless of how good or rotten the king is, we need to be faithful. We need to do what is right. We need to remember God's law and honor him. It reminds me of uh, whenever Lisa and I are at someone else's wedding. We got married actually on this stage right here uh, in 2004. Steve Martin married us and it was great and everybody was looking at us, and it was about our vows and our history, and all of our friends and family were here. But since then, we've gone to other people's weddings, and the focus is on a different bride and groom, but we are still sitting together in the, in the audience, and we're hearing about faithfulness and commitment and vows and about honoring God and building this connected relationship with Him. And it's not about us, but it's speaking to us still. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of like squeeze our hands a little tighter at people's weddings, because it reminds us of the vows we made to each other. And I think that that might have been going on with Israel as well. It's not about your coronation, but it's this reminder of what we all should do with the power that we've been given to control. And think about, here's a fourth scenario. What about a time when there was no king? What would it have been like for them to hear these words when they'd been conquered and they were in exile and there's no temple, there's no power and there's nothing? Imagine those would be the times where they would say, man, we need things to change. We just, we're hoping for a king. We want a leader that's not self-serving, that won't get us into a mess like this. We just need someone who is faithful. Can we, can we have that for once? And I think that we today feel that same longing. Obviously, our country doesn't have a king, and I'm not talking about presidents or government leaders. I'm just saying we all have this longing for someone who is faithful, someone that we can trust, someone that you'll listen to because you know that this person is not in it for themselves, that they're here not to be served, but to serve others. Can we just have a leader like that? We hope for that kind of king, I think. Israel had good kings, bad kings, exile, return, eh, a little bit of power, more kings, And then one day in Jerusalem, this shabby-looking guy riding on a broken-down little donkey comes into the city. It's the Passover celebration, so the city's full of people, and he rides in. And people might have seen that and said, what's going to happen here? What's, What's the story with this guy? Somebody may have overheard it and said, oh, you know who that is? 
That's the healer. Let me tell you, he healed my sister-in-law's friend. She was there. She watched it. Someone who was sick, miraculously well. Someone else might say, no, 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 no. That's the prophet. I heard him speak one time. This guy's not making stuff up. This guy's getting, getting his wisdom from the heavens. He's unique. You should listen to him. Somebody else in the crowd may have said, you should not listen to him. This is the troublemaker. I don't know who you guys are talking about, but this guy is dangerous. But don't worry. We got a, we got a plan. We're working on something. You just, just wait and see. A lot of different views, opinions, and thoughts of who this mysterious stranger might be. And then people started laying down palm branches in the street. And they started taking off their cloaks and laying them down. And the donkey walks across them. And that's strange and weird for us, but for them, that would have been a clear sign. Like, this is what you do when the king returns. This is how you welcome in the ruler and the king. This is interesting. Why does he get this red carpet treatment? And then people started singing. They started singing psalms that you would have recognized. They're familiar to us like wedding vows or like a swearing-in statement. They broke out singing, Hosanna, God, save us. And then some other people broke into a coronation hymn from Psalm 118, words that you would have recognized as well. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Seems that some people already knew who this person was. They'd heard about Jesus, but now they're starting to realize this might be the one. This might be the Messiah. This is Mashiach. This is the anointed one. This is the one that God was talking about when he said, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And there must have been a great surprise when people realized it turns out this old familiar song wasn't about David or Solomon or Josiah or any other king that we might have wondered about. It turns out this was about Jesus, who was God's own son. That would have been a surprise too. In the Messianic Psalms, you get God's anointed one. You get Messiah. You also get God's king or God's chosen king. But you only in Psalms 2 is the only place where you get Messiah, king, and son. God's own son is this king. I can't tell you what a huge surprise this would have been to the people there that day. Because everybody was looking up for the king. They were looking up for the war horses. They were looking up onto thrones. They were looking up to the heavens when they should have been looking down. The king was found in the mangers. The king was found among the poor and the lowly. And you might know how this story goes. Jesus comes into town. Hosanna to the king, this realization, wow. And there were people who didn't like the idea of Jesus claiming to be king, or these people recognizing that he was God's anointed one. And so, Pharisees and religious leaders, and even Roman authorities, decided that they would band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. There was already a plot to kill Jesus by the time he got to Jerusalem. He arrived on Sunday, and by Friday, he was dead. And you'd think that that would be a problem. In any story of any king, if they crucified him and he was dead and put in a tomb, 
That should be the end of the story, right? But not in this case. Here's what happened. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And we'll talk a lot more about this next Sunday. But for now, let's just say Jesus was not dead. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is still the king. His reign continues. His story goes on. And the early church recognized this. Even Pharisees and kings of the earth like Saul of Tarsus came to discover the truth about Jesus being king. And he, he preaches this to a crowd of people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. In the second psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. And he goes on to say, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Saul's life was changed because of this message. This was his new mission, telling people about the good news of Jesus, the king. The good king is here. He finally understood the meaning of the Messianic Psalms. It's not about me becoming king. It's about me partnering with the true king. Saul was kind of a power-hungry maniac, wasn't he? But he was transformed when he realized, it's not about me. It's about giving that power to the good king and the true king. So a question for us this morning is, what are we going to do with that good news, that realization that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the true and risen king chosen by God? Are we going to share that good news with people the way that Saul did, changed his name to Paul, made the rest of his life his mission to share this message? We should. One thing we can also do is stop living like power-hungry maniacs. And thinking that these psalms are about us, because they're not about us. And our daily lives are not even about us. And the way that we long for someone to lay down their life, to serve others, rather than trying to, expecting to be served by others, that's the example that I think we should follow as well. Will we do it? That's the question. Man, I hope so. Some weeks, I do it better than others. And maybe the same is true for you. But some weeks, I am a power-hungry maniac, and I, I, I think the world revolves around me. And uh, we have time. I'll share this story. Uh, but I'll say it on the front end. This is a story that makes me look bad. It's kind of embarrassing, so show me some grace here. Um, when Justin Garza first started coming to Tri-Valley, nod your head if you know who Justin Garza is. Cool. He's a guy on the screen earlier. <laughs> Uh, he, we meet up for coffee once a week. We go to Starbucks, and we, we just chat, catch up, how's life? And we, at the end, we would pray. And this was new to Justin because he was new to faith and new to Jesus. Um, so and I remember on our first Starbucks meeting, we talked for a long time, and I was like, well, this is great. Why don't we close out with prayer? He said, okay, cool. I said, why don't you start? And he went, uh, I, I've never really done that before. But he did. He prayed, and it was fine. But he, he told me later that, me kind of throwing him into the deep end like that was kind of a surprise and sort of a crash course in praying with people. 
Uh, and maybe one day he'll do that to you. Cross your fingers. We'll see. Uh, that's not the point of the story. The, <laughs> the point of the story is early on in one of our meetings, we were praying, and uh, he's, he's wording the prayer, and he's praising God for things, and he's thanking God for things. And then at the end of the prayer, he says, but Lord, most of all, I want to thank you for... J and I'll freeze frame right there, and I'll tell you what was going through my mind. Most of all, Lord, I want to thank you for... J Letter J, I thought, well, he's going to say Jacob. Lord, most of all, of all the things that I could be thankful for, I want to thank you for Jacob, my friend Jacob, this good buddy that I've gained, and what a good mentor he is, and man, we have a great time talking at Starbucks. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm already preparing to be modest about it, and going, no, 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 come on, that's, that's too kind, it's too much. But Justin did not say Jacob. <laughs> he did not end that sentence with my name. Instead, he said, Lord, most of all, I want to thank you for? Jesus. He said Jesus. Of course he said Jesus. Why in the world would you think that he would say Jacob? You have to be a power-hungry maniac to think that when someone prays, the thing they're going to thank God for more than anything else is you. The point is, <laughs> we're, we're not immune to it. Even... When we're praying, we're supposed to be focusing on Jesus the King. We can still, and I say we, I'm dragging you into this with me just to make myself feel a little better, but man, I can be pretty self-focused. I can be the king of my own world. But Jesus calls us to lay that down and say, let me be king. When you do, it's better. You may think that being the king of your life and making all the decisions and have everybody cater to you is what you want, but it turns out to be a mistake. Like taking your kids to a restaurant or Taco Bell. So the message this morning is what the psalm tells us. Trust in God. Take refuge in Him. And if you're here this morning or if you're watching with us online, this is what we're trying to do as a church. This is what we are about making Jesus go here and making us go here. Seeing his example of laying down his life and serving and trying to model that. Trying to do that ourselves. If that sounds good to you, then stick with us. Walk with us. Let us help you. Let us encourage you in this. This is a safe place, as you can tell from what Molly said and what I've shared, where you can be honest that we don't always get it right, but we're trying and we're continuing to take steps forward. Uh, I want to invite Bill to come back up here and get ready to lead us in this, uh, this final song, Crown Him with Many Crowns. That's exactly what we ought to be doing with our attitudes and with our lives. Um, if I can help you in any way, if I can encourage you, get in touch with me. Um, I was going to say, my, my contact information is, normally it's on a screen or something, but you can find it or just, just tap me on the shoulder or, you know, six feet away air tap me on the shoulder, but, but I want to help you, and I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. If you'd like to respond in some way, you can come and see me, or you can go to the Tri-Valley webpage, click one of those buttons, let us know how we can be praying for you, or how we can support you, or encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. Let's, let's worship and then close out in prayer.